Welcome to the ninth episode of this 10-part series we call Retrospective. Today we talk about how we all feel about the art world as it stands today. In this episode, you will hear conversations with my fellow graduates in this order, Alison Goldberg, Amanda Marchand, Barbara Bartos, Brett Gottschall, Erez Golan, Lizea Lyons, Mira Hecht, Peter Wu, Ricardo Rivera, Sonia Heinrichsen, and Joram Wahlberger. I'm not obsessed or consumed by it the way I was. Like, I don't look at magazines. I, you know, if we go to New York or we go to visit my family in San Francisco, we'll maybe go to, you know, a museum or a gallery. But I'm not, I don't feel like, or DC. DC has offered some good good shows recently. Love DC. My yeah. first internship in high school was at the Smithsonian. Yeah, I mean, and it's free. So that's, you know, where how it should be. But um, I'm not obsessed with it the way it, I once was. Like, I just, I don't really, I feel like there are other things out there in the world that are, if I'm going to see as I would have, you know, when I was making art or wanting to be, you know, having that success, I would have been looking for inspiration. I would have been looking for someone who is like, you know, approaching something in a new way. And I would have been looking like to find something beautiful. And I just feel like I've cultivated finding beauty in my everyday life, just in my home. And I have a garden and walking. And I, so that is not, that's been fulfilled, that need. Being inspired, I can read a story. I can, you know, I find other ways. So what can I say? <laughs> I get it. It's great. I mean, do you, do you ever miss sort of participating in that or you do you feel like a great weight lifted off your shoulders? I feel like a weight has been lifted. I mean, in terms of like living in a, I mean, living in a more, in a cultural Mecca, the thing that I miss is, is not really art per se. I miss, you know, I miss the diversity of a larger city and I miss the food, but I don't miss like the art, you know? I do know. It's a hard question. I guess one thing I feel is that there's not an art world, but there are many art worlds. You know, there are different photographic worlds that you can operate in. I don't belong to them all. You know, I think that if you can just sort of find a small pocket where you can fit in, that that's good and that becomes your community. I feel really great about the art world i think i think that if you're at it for a long time you you figure a way in you know and you can kind of create your own community i think that's a good way to go you start with maybe friends that have the same interests or if you've been to school some peers or 
teachers that you reach out to that you, you know, people on Instagram, that's a community that some people don't love Instagram, but I think it's fantastic for photographers and just even what you're doing with your podcast, there must be people that you can, you know, stay in touch with that you could create a community around that. I mean, it's whatever you want to do. And I, I'm sort of an introvert, but I love people I figured out. So I sort of moved beyond my, you know, inner confidence. And I just, I just love, I really, I mean, an example would be the residencies I do. I'll I'll meet people that are curators. I'll meet people that are choreographers, uh, you know, musicians, painters, uh, such creative types that move beyond, you know, different definitions. And they're so inspiring. I just learn so much from all the different disciplines and all the different people that are out there as makers it's pretty phenomenal and so I feel as I said a minute ago I feel really grateful and I I'm super passionate about about this world whatever it is I I know it's different things to different people so that's that's what I feel (laughs) being an artist doesn't always mean having your own personal studio practice you can still be creative and sort of scratch that itch in many different ways so i i love the idea that the 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 idea of like working in the arts is to me a much more expansive thing these days than it was even 20 years ago like 20 years ago it was pretty much curator gallery museum or or sit in a studio and like that's all there was for arts but now there are so many varieties of different ways and things we can do and I kind of enjoy that and I kind of am a little sad that I'm not of this generation (laughs) with these opportunities but whatever I mean I I, part of that is I'm not a solitary artist I work with an immense amount of people to to get the work into the world and to get the work made uh, I work with an amazing lab in Manhattan and, a you know, it's an amazing printer there and they help me produce my work. Like once the idea is there, there's the production side. So there's a whole, the Dats Press in South Korea, they produce my books. The galleries that I work with are collaborative and, you know, putting on shows and it, it's, I owe so much to other people that, that collaborate with me in all of these ways. I just, I, I do, there's some of it that comes like in this little world of the studio that is mine, but then it takes all these partners to, um, and, and something you're doing with the podcast is having these conversations. I mean, about art and trying to figure out for maybe people that are younger trying to, get into the scene what are the useful tools that i can take away from this so you know you're imparting information there that's really important too you know the communication part of it i'm impressed of how many people make it make it in a small way it's such a variety there's such a spread there's such a density the visual is like going, you know, there's no, there are no parameters. There is no, nothing you can criticize. There's no basis on which to criticize anything. I feel like you could make it in 
in a small on a small in a small scale on a small scale like you could have an, an instagram feed that you could sell from like people like really going nuts for your work and in your own thing you know you you create your you have your own community you're not going to be maurizio catalan but you're you're making work you like you find people who like you because the social has opened that i have to say and you could feel like you you're doing making a living out of your own work it, it it can be done i mean you could even have find a gallery that sees your feed and show your work i mean but that's that so there could be many like this in terms of like going big i don't know how much you counts who you know there are definitely people who really work it but i'm not the person who really work the system or push to, to curators who show up to send who call people who you know like <laughs> i i feel i feel like it's a, i don't i never said looked for that career so i didn't i don't care you know if people find me they find me because they like their thing and I let it go from to go from there. So, what do I think about the art world? It, it's it's kind of a no man's land, really. The galleries do their thing, Instagram does its thing, college professors do their thing to get their tenure, to get their thing. You know, like they don't seem to be talking. I don't think what's the big show at the, the Whitney Biennial sees this guy's Instagram feed, he might be making lots of money out of his good work. But he never tried to apply to a, to a gallery. They never, he never tried to push. He just shows his work. And I'm not going to go into conceptual because we're going to get nuts. Because, uh, again, what is art? No, I don't want to go into what exactly. is art. <laughs> because, you know... You can you can start saying, oh, well, the guy on Instagram doesn't make art. I'm a horrible snob. I would say things like that, yes. <laughs> I've seen good work. That's, uh, you know, they're painters. Oh, well, okay. Painters is a little different, but I mean, I'm thinking like the digital illustrators. No, no, yeah, no, 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 that's, no, that's not what I was thinking. It's like they're painters who can show their work just on Instagram. You're never going to see his work in the moment. Uh, yeah, if if they're using a traditional medium, I have no problem with like elevating an Instagram artist yeah, above yeah, yeah, yeah. just an Instagram artist. But if they're using, for lack of a better word, like sort of just like digital mediums to then you know, show no, it no, digitally. No, no, that, no, that's like, way that's, too much. Um, that's, that's an inflation of that stuff now. It's a little too meta for me. Like uh, maybe I'm just old. No, like but I'm not. I, I wasn't speaking of that. I was speaking of Instagram as a medium to create market for your work. I understand. Without actually going through the traditional ways of like sending slides to gallery, like <laughs> we did twenty years ago. You know. Uh, the amount of money I spent on slides. I still ridiculous. have. Them. Yeah, I still have. Them. I feel like I'm negative, too, too negative, or I've It's perfectly fine to be negative. Like, this is the <laughs> point is to hear. No, I mean, the point is to hear different perspectives. And if you have a negative perspective at this point, 
great. Okay, express that. When I edit it all together, it'll be balanced out with other people's positive ones. So don't okay. stress about that. No, I'm just, I'm not saying, uh, I'm not necessarily negative about things right now. I'm just like, I guess I'm more lost. I don't understand. I'm lost and I'm, I'm having a hard time finding a solution because uh, it's not like it's looking things will get, get more coherent soon. Anzi, uh, uh, the opposite, anzi in Italian. Um, there, the lack of, you, you can't say anything at this point, and this is general, not just artwork, but you can say left without 10 people saying, no, that's better on the right. I mean, you can, there, isn't, there are no values on which to judge a work, an image, uh, an idea. Everybody's right, everybody's wrong. So, so to me, I guess making work comes to to reference the personal. It's the only fixed place I have. What's true to me? And it may it may find uh, you know universality in it, but so, and in a way it goes back to 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 this. If you if you find your center, you'll figure it out. You'll figure out if you want to be in the art world. You want you figure out if you want to get out of it. You figure out if art school is really the piece that's missing. Maybe you do need the critiques you need you've been working but you have no feedback and even bad feedback is good feedback if you know how to take it if you know how to learn from it in the sense not not that listening to to the bad feedback but the learning from it becomes good learning who to listen to okay so or 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 just getting to hear how people like, for example, very, very, very small parentheses. Um, I was making work in America about stuff that I couldn't even say the word spiritual. And if I would dare to say this in California, guess what happened? I was, uh, you know, like a new agey. That's good feedback. That taught me how to talk about my work without saying the word. While I was there, I came back in Europe. Now, the first thing I said, I was I, the first thing I was told after I, I made a presentation here, your work is spiritual. Like, <gasps> like you said the word, <laughs> you know, I've never mentioned it, but they got it and it wasn't shameful. So, feedback, even bad feedback counts, it helps. Learn to learn yourself. That's my advice. Good for everything. I think that it's a positive turn now. Like we've talked about a little bit, everything, focus coming back onto the artist, um, where the gallery situation and need to have one to be, to make money or to be successful or whatever, isn't as important, I don't think, to me. I think that with the tools we have now, the internet, the connection, 
with other people and ability to reach and to show your work to a, a large number of people with, you know, with some ease. And if you can promote yourself, advertise your, you know, your stuff to all those people with ease, then there's a, there's a chance that you're going to, you know, you're going to, you're going to succeed. If you're genuine in your practice, you would probably succeed. So I'm, I like that, that this, uh, the change in what you need to do to be successful is now coming back onto the individual person and making it easier for people to keep making art. And I love that, although there's a lot of really crappy stuff out there, I love that <laughs> we need that too. I mean, there's a bigger market for crappy stuff than there is for good stuff. Look at look at Bed Bath and Beyond. Look at IKEA. Uh, they all have poster crap art, but people buy it. I know, I know. I mean, it could be they could have stopped at just Bed Bath, but it's beyond, my friend. So there's, you know, you could you could put yourself into <laughs> into any of these markets, and uh, especially the crap market, you could probably do really well uh, making crap. So, uh, a lot of people like it. Uh, so I, I like that. That's the turn. In the way that I see it, uh, it's opened up and uh, the artist has a better chance now. And I think that more art will get made and more more of, more of the good stuff is going to get seen. The stuff that, you know, that was on the on the back, uh, the back side of things or behind the curtain or, you know, I, I, it's a better time now for people to, for artists to make art and be seen. So I think the outlook is good. You know, I still, you know, I read about art and I go to shows. Um, actually, we were, we're having a, uh, I think in January, we had to buy tickets because of the COVID. You can't just go to a museum now. You have to buy ticket in advance. And there's a great show of this Japanese artist uh, who was, I guess it was, she was kind of a guerrilla artist back in the 60s. And now she's super mainstream and doing a lot of uh, work with dots, 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 dots. So yes. we're going to see yes. that. So, but, but, you know, honestly, the last few times I went to, to a museum, we were in London just before the COVID and I went to the Tate and, uh, and then, you know, here in Israel, haven't had a chance to see anything in the U S just haven't been there for a long while. But honestly, the fact that I still know all the artists names, even though I haven't been, you know, too immersed in the art life. I think that's not a good sign for the art world. I mean, not too much has changed. It's too, in some ways, it's very true. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I, there, there was just an article the other day about this really gazillionaires couple uh, being divorced in uh, in the U.S. Yep. And it says, you know, this was probably one of the best things that happened to art in the last uh, decade, where. Uh, you know, they're selling, they, they're because of the divorce they're going through, they couldn't agree on the price of the collection. They ended up having to sell it uh, through, I think it was either Sotheby's or Christie's, one of the big auction houses. And they said, you know, that was like a real boost for the art world in the last, you know, that, that needed to happen because it's been kind of frozen for the last two years or so. And, and you know, and then they showed the, the pieces of art that they were selling and, you know, you know they were all talking about, Nine-Faced Marilyn by Andy Warhol. It's like, seriously, we're talking about, we're 2021 and we're talking about pop art? Come on. 
And I re- I saw the Giacometti sculpture that was in that, which I love that piece. So I was that was I like, think oh. the, that was the most expensive piece that they were selling. It was a beautiful. So piece. what happened? I mean, we're still talking about Andy Warhol and and Giacometti. Honestly, I feel pretty disconnected on some level. I mean, I really love going back to New York and seeing art. You know, of course, it's like now that it's not around the corner, I'm like, oh. But we have a museum here that has pretty interesting photography exhibits, but I'm not connected with any of the local art people or anything like that. And could I try harder? Yeah. I wasn't super connected in New I mean, I connected with people that show at the gallery where I show in New York because it's a good group and she has a lot of women and like a lot of women my age. And so that community was really nice and I felt connected to those people. And actually, so talk about practices, like I'm going back to the thing of like looking online for juried exhibitions. I mean, that's like what we used to do then too. No, back then we did it in the back of publications. <laughs> it was not online, correct. But it was like sending your work in and like hoping for a response. And I've actually gotten into a few things lately and it's like, oh, okay, if I put in the effort and take myself seriously and take my career seriously, like there's something there. So I feel like I need to make more of an effort. So it's not, I'm not so, you know, oh, the art world is not what it used to be and I don't fit in and all that. Like, all right, you got to figure out a way to fit in. And no, I'm not going to do a COVID project. I never was, and I never will, and I don't care. <laughs> I do portfolio reviews for Lens Culture online. Like they do these anonymous portfolio reviews. And uh, the amount of fucking COVID series that I've seen are so stupid, A, and just boring and dumb i mean i i hate it but i i'm also the kind of person that like i like my art to be timeless and anything that is like about covid is a had has a very small window of time where that will ever be interesting right i mean if you're gonna make work about being isolated or fearful or any of that like i think to me it's more of a universal concept and I don't know. I think I'm a little bit bitter because I was like, well, I didn't get some project done. And everyone assumed I would because I had all this time, but no, that's not how that works. So it is, it, in terms of the art world now, I, there is that just that struggle of like, I think a lot of people do make work to fit in. And if you're not willing to do that, you have to be willing to own it and stand behind it and say, I'm making this and this is why and I'm going to keep going. So it's tough. I mean, every, not every day, but like a lot of time I'm sitting around going like, am I ahead of the curve? Am I behind the curve or am I on the bubble? (laughs) And I never know. And I never will. Right. I know because I mean, it really is like interdependent on like who sees it or, you know, who's interested at that moment. Do you remember Mark Van Proyen's thing about the ocean crashing and then the reef and all that? Do you, do you remember this? No, tell me. Okay, he had this theory. He actually like drew it on the board and everything that that an arts career 
is like a wave. Okay, so like you ride a wave of success and then sooner or later that wave is going to crash onto the beach <laughs> and then you're, you're the water so, and then you're going to be swept out. And then at some point the, the water is either, so either you're going to evolve and change and grow and you will be caught back up in another wave of success throughout your, your career or you will end up sort of just falling out into the reef and you'll be just out in the reef among the you know, average mediocre artists. And it's exponentially more difficult to get from the reef back up into the next wave. So that the role of an artist is to, you know, ride success and then crash and then evolve and grow and change and find another way to ride another wave. And that like, if you can learn to do that successfully, that you'll be able to build a beautiful career. <laughs> That's the advice I got in grad school. But I think that's pretty accurate. And I think it's also incredibly difficult. And I mean, I think a lot of people do stuff that is safe uh, or, you know, I think that, you know, being with that like discomfort of like making work that might suck or get rejected or not be interesting when you put it out there, I think that's really hard. <laughs> but that's every day. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I don't, I think some people just don't verbalize that. Though. Like you and I can be like, this is hard. Oh my God, this stresses me the fuck out. Or someone else is like, well, I'm just, you know, moving along and very organized about it. And that's just not who I am. Yeah, no, I'm the kind of guy I'll sit back. Like these days I'll sit back and work on just trying to find the right mediums and the right techniques and the right scale and the right whatever and I'll test and test and test for like three years until I finally find the thing that sort of visually expresses the way I wanted to share this thing and then I can work on the project for you know until that that idea has sort of run its course but like I will put three four years into just testing but that's great. I mean, I think you're giving yourself that space and that latitude to do that. Whereas like, I go back to being impatient and like, well, this is not going to work or, you know, it doesn't even get out of my head half the time. So. Lizea, get to work. Seriously. I feel like it's a lot of pressure, a lot of pressure. It's just, you know, I see the only social media I do is Instagram. And so I can see that, you know, people will put work on there. It looks like they're machines, you know, it's like they're making and making, or they'll put stuff on that they made 10 years ago. You know, it's just like this pressure to get work out there or I don't know. And so I think to myself, I'm not a machine. You know, I, the work I make takes a long time. Each painting could take months or a year. That's just the way my work is. And so often I think I have to speed it up. I have to stop using oil. I have to do acrylic. I, I can't, I can't take six months to do a painting. This isn't viable. I won't make any money, but, you know? So there's, there's just a lot of pressure today. And I keep trying to, you know, just stay in my own space, just realize this is the way I make art. This is the way I'm going to continue making it. If I only make, you know, 12 paintings a year, that's the way it is. You know, you can only 
sell as much as you make. And I just can't think of myself as like a machine making art, like I'm a, a woman making art, a person, an artist making art at my own rate, at, you know, my own speed. And so, yeah, I think it's just a lot of pressure galleries. It's a pressure to get into galleries. If that's the route you want to go, a lot of people don't want to do that route anymore. They want to find other avenues to sell the work. I'm very grateful to be in two wonderful galleries. But of course, galleries take 50%. And a lot of artists don't want to do that anymore. There's so many other ways to sell art, I think, which I haven't really looked into. But I mean, I see it all over the place, you know, nonprofits and people are sell, trying to sell through Instagram. And, you know, it's it, totally different today than it was 20 years ago. The world, the art world wasn't built for me. It never even really wants me in a certain, a certain respect. Okay. So that was a tough lesson to learn, you know, and I think it, you know, it, and, and all those feelings really took a, was at the height during the Black Lives Matter movement uh, during the summer of 2020. And that really kind of made you realize like, shit, this, the, the, the structure isn't for me, you know? So how do I re-envision it? And how do I, how do I navigate even beyond capitalism or, or whatnot? Or how do I reflect the things that I, I, am, I am upset about or, or wanting to be subversive about? So I think that's a lot what I do with the gallery is, is I turn everything back on the structure in a certain way. And then I built, um, even like within the, the economically of how I sell the NFTs, I, uh, the smart contract I created, which hasn't been really implemented anywhere else is that, uh, whoever's participating in the shows gets a certain cut of the exhibition. So 80% or 70% goes directly to all the artists, 30% stays with the gallery. And it's it's automatically through the blockchain goes directly to their wallets, so uh, and it's international. So I don't actually have to worry, worry about paperwork or anything like that. So it's directly into their wallets, and they're also part of the curator, co-curators of the exhibition because their their address or their identity is attached to um, the NFT that I'm creating. So it's it's in a way blockchain for me has been able to allow me to think about new ways of of doing small communities and, and re-envision economics in a certain way that that maybe work for artists more so than than this current structure that is imposed on us right now which is more like the 50 50 gallery model and of course you have to placate to a gallery to be able to even get in a gallery and that comes with a lot of other things because you're playing that game and that game isn't usually for people like us so it's that or or if you do have uh some success then most of the time that success isn't as long lasting for other people than for other people that are, are included in that, in that space. So I think for me, um, I think with this new, new technologies, you're, I'm able to actually re-envision what, what could be and what could be a better place. You know what I'm saying? Now, whether that is or is not, that's a different question, but I am, I'm trying, I'm attempting to, to do that. And I think I've done it quite successfully to this point. And I've, I've successfully brought up a lot of issues within my exhibitions about representation, about the fragility of the institution. Even so, more so that uh, I did a show called uh, Phantom Limb where I took the Amundsen building that was being destroyed from LACMA 
And I remodeled that as a demolished LACMA building and it curated basically all Latinx artists from Los Angeles within it. I thought that was one of the best shows I've done during that point. And then uh, I usually get three to five pieces of press per exhibition, but nobody wanted to write about the LACMA show. And that says to me, no one wanted to go against the man or the institution. And I thought that was important too. But funny enough, the LACMA has just recently approached me and now we're doing a collaboration on an NFT and they're including the Algorand blockchain, which is the, this is the blockchain I work with, into uh, some of their provenance and some of their collections. And then we'll be releasing an NFT uh, collaboration of their recent art and live tech, tech recipients in February. But they have given me pretty much full creative control. Otherwise, I would not have done it. You know what I'm saying? So in a way, uh, it all worked out in a certain way. So um, and look forward to that. That's going to be pretty cool. Fabulous. It sounds like you're you're sort of on a good path at this point. Yeah, it was organic. You know, everything that I've done is organic, even knowing that I had to do, you know, prepare to work for a long time. And then uh, the knowledge I've got from working in a gallery and showing within the galleries, being a teacher and and all these things have accumulated to what where I am now, you know, and it. So when I'm following whatever it is, the universe and or something that like that, or the opportunities that are given to me and what feels right or not, I've turned down a lot of things. Uh, and I'm okay with saying no, because if the project does not align with me or my beliefs, I will, I will turn it down. Most of the time, these are the projects that they just want to make money at, or money grabs, I call them or whatever. So I usually turn those down a lot because that doesn't, that's not for artists. That's not for what I believe in. So I, I usually turn those down. And the projects that are, are people actually trying to change things, trying to change the structure that has been imposed upon us. Those are the projects I usually um, pick up and I support and I, I will help out as much as I can. I don't care about it. It comes into my mind through social media. When I read the New Yorker, when I see my friends doing really well, I always want to support them. That's my participation in the art world and my desire to participate in the art world. It's not my main concern. My main concern is living. And I'm actually starting kind of this new life right now because I just met one of the most amazing persons in the world. She's a professor of philosophy and she's just blowing my mind. And I really love having conversations with her and she's really not encouraging. It's not encouragement. It's acceptance of the way that I think. And she's really influencing and actually turning my whole art making process upside down because she, she has the worldview that's outside of the arts and she's very comfortable calling bullshit on me. When we're talking to other art people, we are in this sphere and we're already in agreement. And it's hard to counter it because we, we've gone to the same education or similar education, similar experience. So when, so with Carrie, she has this, she has a degree in philosophy and a degree in classics. So she has this whole experience of knowledge base or access to this knowledge base and understanding of our culture, of the human culture. 
or human beings since we started thinking. So she she says, well, what if you, what if like, for example, you're drawing and you've been drawing and you're drawing what's out there. And she tells me, well, what if I tell you that what you're drawing's in here? And I'm just like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like a total shift in my thinking. And that's what I love. I went to art school because I saw it as intellectual stimulation. I went to school because it was something that I was not getting through popular culture. And I wanted that. I wanted to understand things and be able to talk about them in not a sophisticated way, but just naturally. It's very unpredictable and that it's very hard and difficult. It's hard to get into anything, at least for me, and that it's not always fair. And it's, I don't know, it's just something that is very hard to even grasp and to even, to even get an idea of. Well, if you are asking me what I think about the art that is happening right now, I think that is a different question. And that is also, I think the art has very much changed since we graduated. It is much more socially engaged now. It is addressing social, political, environmental issues and agendas and is much more overtly telling a story or making a statement than at the time when we were graduating from art school. And that is actually something I really like about the arts now. That's something that I think is amazing that the arts has so much more voice now or is using their, their trade, their ability, their uh, media, their different media to voice themselves and to make statements in this crazy world. The world also has gotten much more crazy within those 20 years since we graduated. So that is actually something I appreciate about the art world now. I have to say that, yeah. And I think that actually maybe that started, or the first time I noticed it very overtly was, uh, of course, with Trump. I mean, actually, it, it happened long before that. It started happening before that. But with Trump, it was really here in the Bay Area, just like so, so out there. It was really, it was really cool in a way. When you talk about the art world, can you explain more? What do you mean? <laughs> I know it's so bad because like, there's know, the like, industry, is... then there's the museums, then there's the sales and the commercial. I know it's really hard. What do I look mean? as far as the pandemic? My <laughs> Mark, my gallery always like when he has no no work for me or no one is in, he's like he's blaming it on like the pandemic or the crash of the this. Or the, so you know it's another one of those things that the gallery can justify why no one maybe is calling them for my art. I don't think that the pandemic is going to affect too much the art world it's affecting our lives so obviously people are going to react to it and as if they're reacting to their everyday life you know even the zoom call that we're doing i don't know if we would not as easily do it before look for me the fact that my company went my day job is remote that's enabling me to do a lot of things that i couldn't do so everyone has a personal 
it's affecting them personally different as a community it's definitely going to change the way we live for the short time or maybe long so artists will react to it i'm sure but i don't feel it the art world if you are if it means the art world outside of my art world if that's what you mean i don't feel any effect on me there is how it's affecting my bubble uh, but that's the only thing that's not your question i don't even know anymore what art world means because in many ways for in certain time i kind of disconnected myself from that what it's called the art world i'm not going to galleries i'm not going to museums i haven't been to one for a while and i don't stay in touch with the gallery world and i just do my own thing but i am reading a lot about it i look you know through the internet i see what other people doing i don't see any changes i don't see anything happening that is different To wrap this up, I'd like to thank you for listening all the way to the end of the conversation. We would appreciate it if you would share the podcast with your friends, family, co-workers, studio mates, or anybody with an interest in arts and creative endeavors. The building and strengthening of the arts and creative community is at the core of our mission for this podcast. They can listen and subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We are produced by 5014. The audio was edited by Cush Audio Services, and the music was created by Pete Bybee. The Wise Fool Art Podcast is supported in part by an EEA grant from Iceland, Liechtenstein, and Norway in an effort to work together for a green, competitive, and inclusive Europe. We would also like to thank our partners Hunt Kastner in Prague, Czech Republic, and Kunst Centrene in Norge in Norway. Links to EEA grants and our partner organizations are available in the show notes or on our website, wisefoolpod.com.